Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome back to Transform Your Teaching here on the campus of Cedarville University. My name is Jared Piles, and with me is Dr. Rob McDole. As always, how are you today, Dr. McDole? Doing great. How are you? Oh, thanks for asking. I'm doing well. Doing well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Excellent. Yeah. We are continuing our series on the Back to the Basics, and we have talked about objectives, assessments, and communication, and now we're going to talk about content delivery. Yes. And if you were to draw a map and put on one end your objectives and on the other end your assessments, the content delivery is all the stuff that's in between. It is the car. It is the car. If we continue with the road trip metaphor, I think it's the car. It says, let's talk about content delivery today. All right. Content delivery is about getting information into the hands or into the minds of your learners. Right? Yes. So the first step with that is, you know, through voice, use of voice. That's what babies learn from. They hear their mother's voice and then there's, you know, they get affirmation about whether something is good or bad, or they're told, you know, say this, and you mimic. And then that moves on, um, different types of distribution, if you will, of content, of knowledge. So how do we get knowledge? Um, And that's really what we're talking about today. How has knowledge in higher education been dispersed? And then the other thing we want to tie it into, obviously, is Objectives and assessments, and that all has to flow together. It all has to flow towards where you're headed, towards your objective. Yep. So um, with that in mind, you know, if we skip to today, uh, we're still heavily influenced by the past, though. We have online. We have hybrid. High flex. High flex. Another one. So that's a lot of multimedia. So you have audio. Just straight audio. You could also have books where we're doing reading. So that's another way of taking in information. Um, Video. I think that covers. Audio, video, readings. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I think that covers covers the technological side or the medium, if you will. Um, For a long time, and even to today, there's still a fairly uh, recognized method, and that is to just present or read. Um, early lectures were reading from, a, from an actual book. So the teacher or the lecturer would sit in a, in a seat and they would read from a book and people would listen. And now, you know, and this isn't too different from newspapers, right? Yeah. Newspapers, before they started the printing, they would go from town to town and, and they would read from newspapers. You have a town crier. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks showed us what it was like in news from the world in the movie where he portrayed a guy who went around to different towns and he would actually read newspapers to people because one, they couldn't read uh, some of them and, and two, the newspapers wouldn't get out to wherever they were. So 
for us, we always talk about technology facilitating content, but technology has been facilitating content for a long time. It's nothing really new. Right. It's just the way it has come about has changed. Yeah. So different technologies, like you talked about the printing press, but if we go more modern, you know, PowerPoint videos, uh, any kind of ways of presenting that help besides the instructor lecturing, Mm -hmm. there are other supplements that either, you know, they they could supplement or they could take over and be the main source of information. Right. Student. Most lecturers nowadays usually take content from lots of different areas and synthesize it into what they believe the learner should should know on this given topic. And so that's been a very efficient way and somewhat of a tried and true method for a lot of folks. And then they're just kind of like, well, it worked for my professor, it worked for my teacher, you know, I'm going to do the same thing. Right. So not a bad method. So we're not using this podcast to like denigrate lecturing. So that's not even in view. But we do want to talk about some other things that I think would be helpful when we talk about back to the basics. So right. know your lecture. I don't think we need to really belabor that point. If you're going to do one, be prepared, be ready. Yeah. There's an element of trust involved with that as well between the student and instructor where the student assumes that the instructor is the expert in what they're talking about. Right. So there's an element of that where not only is it just delivering the content, but it's also the student has to trust that the instructor knows what they're talking about. Well, you're you're exactly right. Trusted resources is very important and and the students are coming and they're saying, you know, we're here to listen to you and you tell us what's important. Right. Because they really don't have an idea of what's important. Dr. Miller really talked about that, you know, when we were talking about ChatGPT. And it's still true. You know, if you haven't spent time in these areas of study, you don't know. Yeah. So you need guides. So there are different ways of guiding. What are some other ways of guiding? You asking me? Yeah. What are some other ways of providing content? So, I mean, you've got um, self-paced assessments. You have labs where students are interacting with content, especially in the sciences. And you have these workshops that they work together or work individually on things. You have collaborative environments where they're working together either in class or outside of class. Um, That's especially helpful for new information. If the instructor doesn't want the, um, doesn't want to constantly be the person that's delivering the content, you can give them something new through collaboration and self-discovery and group discovery in that way. Um, So there are various ways of doing it. Yeah, I mean, we we like doing interactive quizzes through Mm -hmm. our video software. Um, But if you've got access to things like Storyline, you have these authoring tools that can also help deliver content. And also, you know, again, it's self-paced. The student can try again and reflect if they don't do well on the first go around. Yeah, there's plenty of ways of of doing that stuff. So um, one of the things we haven't talked about, though, as we're we're reviewing content is explicitly tying it back to our objectives. Yeah. Um, And one of the things that I have personally come up against uh, are students who have expectations that I'm going to, as a teacher, tell them everything they need to know to make (laughs) an A on the test. Yeah. Right. 
I'm going to provide them with all the content that they're going to need in order to find and to make an A. Because they're there to get an A. And I think one of the things we have to do as instructors and, and faculty members is we have to make sure that we communicate. This goes back to the communication side. Yeah. We have to make sure that we communicate not only our objectives for the course, but the ways in which we expect them to interact and the ways in which we want students to engage the content. So engaging the content isn't just reading everything I told you to read hmm. and taking, you know, a 10-question quiz that tests your comprehension. It's really about, I think, at least what I want for my students, is for them to own the content. Mm. For them to own their own learning and to have a mind of curiosity. And that's something that you and I have talked about many times yes. just in our office. Is this idea of cultivating curiosity. And content can most certainly do that, but it requires the motivation of the student right. to be able to ask those questions. So are we just telling them the content and the answers, or are we teaching them also at the same time how to critically think, you know, mm. to approach the content and say, well, is this true? Yeah, we have talked about this a lot in our offices and talking about inquiry-based learning where mm -hmm. there are so many different facets to it, one of them being that you start with a question and you don't know as an instructor what the end product is going to be. So that causes a lot of angst for some professors because they have no control over the end product. Right. Um, but giving students, giving students an opportunity to be curious is incredible. And we were talking about this when I taught language arts way back in the day in K through 12. Um, we talked a lot about giving students the skills for critical reading and critical thinking and not interpreting text for them. You know, when Macbeth sees the dagger floating before him and he goes to grab it and he sees blood on it and he can't grab it and he can't reach it, it's so simple for me to just say, well, that means this. And here's the textual evidence that shows that. But instead, if you equip your students with the ability to interpret text, mm. that keeps that element of inquiry and curiosity alive in them, which is incredibly crucial for students. Because like you said, a lot of times when they get into higher education, the student just wants to know how to get the A. Mm. And then, okay, just give me the content that I need to get an A. Why are we learning about this? Is this going to be on the test? You know, you know, just give me all the terms I need to learn and give me the things that are going to be on the test. And that's because they've lost that desire, that curiosity has been beaten out of them, basically, uh, early on because there's no desire to learn. There's no desire to be curious right. or to ask questions. And that's something that, you know, it's not like it goes away. It's still there. I mean, we're all born with that innate ability to want to learn and to be curious. Mm -hmm. But I think it's, it, it will require an educator, an instructor, to really reactivate that by presenting content or presenting the skills necessary. And, and again, it's a huge step because 
you don't know what the end product is going to be. And the end product could be terrible. I know that speaking of Mr. L, when I was back in his audio courses way back in the day, he wouldn't give us an idea of like, this is what the end product should sound like. And he'd play it for us and go, okay, that's what you have to do. He was helping us develop the skills to create something. So he would say, this is where you should end up. Here are some examples, but yours will not sound like this. So shoot for these examples, but really here are the skills to get you to that point. Mm. And then we had the creative liberty to do whatever we want to. I remember specifically, if I can continue on this tangent, we had to do a Got Milk commercial way back when. Remember the Got Milk ads? Oh, yeah. He had a script that we had to read, and we had complete creative liberty of how it would end up. You could read it dry, and you could turn that in. That'd be great. Or you could be as creative as you wanted to with it. And I did one as Sean Connery stuck on a deserted island. So I did a horrible Sean Connery impression, and I put ocean waves in the background and did all these Sean Connery things in the background and stuff like that. And so, but he gave us the creative liberty to do that. And I think if we, and that stoked that fire inside of me to be creative and to come up with these cool ideas, you know, he didn't say, here's what your, your commercial should sound like. He gave us the tools and the skills to help us be curious and to learn how to do the skills, but give us, you know, creative liberty to do whatever we wanted to at the end. Yeah. I think it's also helpful to also say to our listeners that a lot of you are already doing these things every single day. Yeah. This is truly, we're just trying to have conversation about the basics. And one of the things that, that we were reminded of today uh, as we were preparing to do the podcast was how coming from a biblical perspective makes all the difference in the world when you start talking about curiosity, Mm -hmm. because that curiosity that you said we, you know, we're all born with, uh, was put there by God. And that curiosity uh, has us exploring his world and exploring what he created, as well as synthesizing and coming up with our own riffs inside of what he is sovereign over. Hmm. And I think it's happening all the time. So it's not something where you have to go out and be good content creators. I think every person has a drive, especially if they're a faculty member or a teacher. They have to have some inkling. Yeah. You know, and I think that comes across with the really good ones who are able to pass on that passion. It's very catching and it really comes alive when you have someone who is, which we're going to talk about in our next series uh, on, you know, online learning and the community of inquiry. And we've talked about that model, but just to steal from that for just a second, it's really powerful when you have someone who comes from a biblical perspective that understands God as creator and understands their place in the world and others and their other centered goes right back to our servant teaching model that we talked about. Yep. And as you evaluate those things, as you evaluate your content, as you put that out there for others, and you're doing that from a, a willingness or an, a desire to serve, a seeking to serve, mm-hmm. then you really, I think, are on the right track. And I know of lots of faculty out there, and, and especially here at Cedarville University where we work, that that's in their, the forefront of their minds on a daily basis. Like you said, our faculty are already doing this, but it could be a matter of 
you know, they're presenting the content. It could be a matter of how they present the content. It could be different in the way. And you may have an end goal in mind. You may say, well, this is where they need to end up. And that's great. That's the same as having an objective. And, but if you introduce it from the beginning and say, okay, how you end up at this end is completely up to you. And you know how it should end up. And then when they get there, you can say, and this is, again, a low-stakes formative assessment and saying, okay, you guys were close. Here's what I was looking for, or here's where you should have ended up here. Um, I remember I did this with a, a comp section that I did um, a couple years ago. They, the entire class was a group, and I said, you need to create this. Here, here are my expectations for the end. This is the, what the product should look like. Here are the outcomes that I want. And I said, you, the due date is four weeks from now. And then I went and sat in the back of the class and I didn't say anything. And they all just turned their heads <laughs> and looked back at me. And I said, it's yours. You guys are an entire group. Figure out how you're going to do it. And they gradually started to go, okay, well, what, are, what do we need? So like they started listing out questions. What do we need to do? Okay, what deadline should we set for ourselves? What does the product look like? Well, he wants this. And I just sat back there and just answered emails, talked on teams, <laughs> you know, like I wasn't there. And I mean, it was awesome. I mean, they, they ended up pretty close to where I wanted them to, but I just left the floor to them. And it was super scary. Like there's so many times I wanted to get in because I was giving up my class time, right? Right. And I would spend the first 10 minutes maybe in class uh, giving announcements and giving some guidelines, maybe some feedback, because I was kind of acting like the client mm-hmm. for this product. And I would say, here's some feedback I'd give you. And then I'd give them the rest of the time. And then they would start working. They started eventually like breaking up into smaller groups and they were taking care of this and they can take care of that and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I think it's super scary to do, but the end product and the stuff they learned, would have it was light years better than anything I could have done in a normal paper or a project, yeah. something like that. So I've had the opposite effect. I have seen where I've had students who, uh, I remember doing a, a systems analysis course for a senior level, college level course, and um, had one student who was really on the edge. That semester was going to determine whether he was going to graduate or not. Mm. And um, so he came in on probation and I had flipped my classroom, and I had done something very similar. I made it clear to them, you know, this is what you need to do. I'm going to give you all the opportunity in the world to get the content. I did those low-stakes quizzes so they could make whatever grade they wanted to. They had to go through them as many times as they wanted to. And then when we met, we'd have discussions, and we'd do problem-based discussions. I'd give them a, give them a case, and I'd say, now, let's... let's uh, Let's take what you've learned so far and let's apply it. Things that you've read, things that you uh, became aware of. Um, he started doing really well. Mm. My 4.0 student, she was on pace to graduate with highest distinction. Wow. And um, she was struggling. Came into my office, bawling her eyes out. I mean, before she even came through the door, she was already crying. Oh, no. <laughs> Wow. And she said to me, tell me what I need to know to pass the class. Wow. I need to get an A. You know, this is going to ruin my, my standing. And I said, I, I gave you everything. Hmm. You can get an A. 
I'm not keeping you from it. You just have to put in the effort and want to know how to synthesize these things and, and be ready when we have our conversations. And I didn't make it hard on purpose. Mm-hmm. But she was really concerned about the summative assessments. Right. I built the formative and I said, have you done well with the formative, you know, with the quizzes? Well, yeah. I said, have you gotten your A's on those? Yeah. Then you don't need to worry about the midterm and the final. They're just going to be those things all over again. And if you got, if you got it and you understand it, it's not a problem. But it was the hardest thing for her to do. And I think that's, it goes back to one of those challenges as we think about how we prepare our students for these kinds of um, content delivery systems or a thing where they have to actually take the ownership. So to wrap up content delivery, Dr. Rob McDowell, how would you wrap it up? Well, I would go back to our desire to see curiosity enriched in our students and say that we need to use as many avenues for content delivery as we can because we don't know, Mm -hmm. right? We don't know what our students are going to connect with. Some might connect to a book. Some might connect to a lecture. Some might connect to a video. Some might connect in terms of what they listen to. So each one of us has our own particular modality modalities or ways we like to ingest information. Yep. Um, and I think the greater amount of methodologies in terms of content delivery that we bring to the table, I mean, within reason, but you bring it in different ways. Um, I think that dynamic will help hit students and, and just drive that spark of creativity, that spark, that spark of curiosity even further, which really, truly, I think, drives learning. I wholeheartedly agree. I would say that's one of the best summations I've ever heard of content delivery, to be honest with you. But I think you need to add in that we need to stoke the fire of curiosity as much as we can when it comes to developing those skills and then leaving the end up to the student and see where they end up. It's scary, but it's fun in the end. Well, it sounds like you just did. Did I? You did. All right, I did. Thank you so much for listening to us today. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast, and check out our copy drops that we drop. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. For more information, you can email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Please consider subscribing to our blog, Focus, found at cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog.